how much of your growth do you think is just just like tutorials? Mm, I think at least 80%. So, 80%? Yeah, I, I would say it's like 80%. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Plugin.fm podcast, brought to you by Freemius. In the show, I chat with inspiring product makers about their experiences in entrepreneurship, life, and everything in between. On the show, we want to uncover actionable practices and strategies that you can use to succeed on your own business journey. My name is Patrick Rolland, and today I'm going to be sitting down with WordPress solopreneur and my namesake, Patrick Posner from Berlin, Germany. Patrick is a super experienced developer and self-proclaimed one-man show who builds, maintains, and sells WordPress plugins. He also plays bass guitar and is dad to the fluffiest dog, his words, not mine. As a solopreneur, Patrick is no stranger to diversification as a means of audience and business growth. He currently has six, yes, six products in his portfolio, offering static website generation, content protection, QR code creation, age verification, and document library security, just to name a few. His flagship product is Simply Static, which has over 40,000 active installs and over 500,000 downloads, making it the most popular static site generator for WordPress. That is a pretty diverse portfolio right there. And it makes me wonder if it's something of a juggling act for a one-man team. Well, we won't have to wonder much longer because that's what we're getting into today. Clearly, Patrick is succeeding as a solopreneur by taking on multiple verticals. But how does he do it? What does he prioritize and what does he postpone? What growth strategies have worked for him and what would he rather forget? If you're after actionable tips and tactics to grow your product portfolio as a one-man army, then you are listening to the right show. Patrick, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Yeah. Hello, hello. Glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. For, thank you for coming. We're happy to have you here. Um, so I'm excited because you're an experienced WordPress developer, um, a solopreneur who builds products and you do a bunch of different things. Um, but tell us, you know, before we get into the specific products and how you manage them, how did you get into development and what drew you into those niches? Yeah, sure. Happy to give like a little introduction to myself. So I'm working with WordPress professionally for about 10 years now. Um, I actually started with WordPress uh, at the university. We had a model. Uh, I studied um, information technology back in the day. And we had a model where we covered um, content management systems and mm. the workflows involved. Mm. And uh, as a particular example, we used WordPress. And um, we started by learning how the system works and um, yeah started modifying themes and even bit of just a tiny little plugin at the end of the course. And wow. yeah, that hooked me on WordPress and uh, I never touched anything else again. Um, once wow. I graduated, um, I started my first job in a little agency um, huh. and worked with WordPress as well, setting up basic huh. client websites, doing some kind of I'm not sure if I want to call it design, but it was like uh -huh. web design more or less. Um, uh -huh. And switched later to a um, development job uh, at MarketPress. MarketPress is the biggest WordPress product company here in Germany. Um, okay. With doing like over a million per year in revenue selling specifically WooCommerce products. Mm -hmm. And I built one of their major uh, flagship products back in the day and it's still available today. Mm -hmm. And yeah, uh, on the side, I started making, um, starting my own plugins, kind of like as a hobby project. I never yep. really imagined to make more than a couple hundred bucks or so uh, mm -hmm. um, working on that, but it quickly took up and I decided in January 2021 that I want to go full-time into building plugins for a living. 
So you've only been doing plugin, like full-time plugin development for two years. Yeah. Wow. So you got a lot done in two years. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> wow. I mean, that I had great. like the, the content protection plugin. Um, I already worked on it for like four to five years, mm-hmm. but it was just a side project. So I really yeah. focused on developing uh, in 2021. Yeah. That's very cool. Did you uh, did you make money on your first? You know, when you when you decided to to go into plugins, did you just sort of make money with your first try, or or did you try to make money on a plugin and it didn't make anything? Mm, actually, my re, my absolute first plugin was mm-hmm. kind of successful. So I got like uh-huh. I don't know two to three hundred bucks a month um, from that yep. particular plugin. The plugin itself doesn't exist anymore. Um, but not because it doesn't make any revenue. It was just too support heavy at that time. Yes. Yes. Plugin for WooCommerce and it was like, um, an order table plugin. I mean, Mm -hmm. today there are like hundreds of plugins, uh, that doing Uh kind of like an order table for WooCommerce, but at that time Uh it was one of a few. Um, but it was just too support intensive to, to handle that as a side project. Um, I had a, a couple of bets that, weren't really successful and um mm-hmm. I, I think it's normal so you have an yeah. idea you build a little prototype you throw it to the repository and you see what happens um, most of the time yes. there, nothing happens but sometimes there is something um maybe a willingness to pay or at least um a huge amount of support which indicates okay yeah. there's some kind of interest in the in the product you have developed very cool i, lo- I love i love hearing all that um so let's talk about your different products. So I think many people focus on one or maybe two or three um, products, and they kind of only expand their portfolio of plugins once they're in a position to once they're making a ton of money and they're in a position to hire. So what made you expand that product portfolio? Yeah, I, it's a pretty good question. So I think it's both are valid path. So it's good to have like one product and put all your effort and time into it to grow it. But um, the main problem for me was always um, the risk behind it. So let's say mm. you have one product and you believe it's it's the product, the absolute mm. best product you will ever make. Um, but maybe no one's really interested in that. So um, from my perspective, it's way less risky to have multiple products um, and have like multiple bets on the market. So you have Mm -hmm. like, okay, even if, let's say something in the ecosystem changes. Uh, In my particular case, maybe WordPress would improve their password protection built in in core. Like you can have multiple passwords and basically everything my product offers. That would be a huge risk on my side if I would concentrate completely on that particular product. But um, now that I have like six main products, um, I can, yeah, I'm kind of calm about changes in the market so that I I'm, I always know, okay, if someone um, builds a competitor with a huge budget of something, yeah. changes in core, I'll be safe. I can always yeah. concentrate on one of my other products yeah. to grow it further. I love that. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, I'm, I'm a personal finance nerd and obviously a big fan of like diversification. There is something about, I, I also do a lot of marketing stuff and I help companies, um, do, do SEO and stuff like that. And there are these like big, so just as an example, there are these big like SEO changes where, you know, this page because of all the, the internal linking yeah. is ranked really high, but then Google changes their algorithm and you used to be getting 50,000 visits and now you're getting 5,000 visits and your business can just turn off 
if and I, I think yeah. that could I think that could theoretically happen in the WordPress world. Theoretically, where, where the WordPress.org plugin directory gets an, gets a, a search change. And like one of the plugins could just like instead it used to be ranked yeah. number one and now it's ranked number eleven and you get you know a tenth of the traffic or whatever. Yeah. I think that's really smart just to know that you don't know what's gonna happen in the future. WordPress core will change and include some functionality of one of your plugins. The WordPress search functionality will change. Google regular search engines will change, whatever. Some anything could happen, but you have six pretty stable products that if any one of them fell, you can still rely on the other five. I love that. Yeah. Very cool. Um, okay. So, so you are still doing, so it's not, so you're, you're doing all these, you're, you're making these six plugins, you're maintaining them. That means you're developing them. Um, you're supporting them and you're probably also doing some marketing for them. How do you juggle all those responsibilities? You know, is it Monday is plugin one or is it Monday is marketing for all of your plugins? How do you, how do you juggle that many responsibilities? Yeah. I mean, I would love to have like a dedicated, uh, plan on uh, mm-hmm. when it's time to do support, when it's time to do marketing, mm-hmm. which product mm-hmm. uh, on yeah. a particular day. Most of the time I'm doing that by iterating in on a weekly basis. So I start with, let's say, Simply Static next week and I dedicate the entire week to Simply Static as long as there is, isn't something important that needs to be done right now, like a security vulnerability that needs mm-hmm. to be patched or something like that. But right. um, I usually do one product a week and switch context next week. And I do wow. support daily, marketing weekly, and development weekly. So uh, I usually try to have like a 50-50 um, differentiation between coding and marketing. So before I, I usually have like a little backlog stacked up uh-huh. with features I already built but haven't released. Yeah. And I release yeah. them um, as soon as I have the marketing part ready. So that can be a little uh, a tutorial, a blog post, um, yeah. a Twitter post with a little video showing the new feature. And I try to time that as organically as possible to make it like, okay, so there's a feature and then there's a marketing yeah. post. And so it's not that structured um, behind the scenes, but at least I want to, at least it should look like that. So Yeah. Uh, okay. So that... Um I was not expecting that answer. I like it. Is that, that seems hard to do where basically, you you know, if you really want to work on your static website generator, you basically have to wait like five weeks for it to like come back around to the, to the, you have to wait a month. So really you're, you're working on each product every month and a half. You're spending a week on it. Are you, okay. Then I want to know, are you, if you're shipping new features, are you almost always trying to get it complete within a week? Right. Cause then, cause otherwise you like, you know, a month and a half later, you've forgotten where you are. I can't imagine. I, I think that'd be that'd be really hard to do. Yeah, that's true. So I try to um, break down each feature in um, in a package that can be done completely within a week. So with development, cool. testing, writing, updating the docs, um, writing tutorials, um, everything needs to be wrapped up in a week. Um, and if not, it, it's true. It's hard to like getting back to it in like five weeks from now, um, not even knowing what was a major feature I wanted to build yeah. um, that time. So yeah, I try to wrap everything up within a week. So I, I can totally imagine building a feature in a week. I can definitely imagine, you know, on day one, you have your idea and you're, you're looking at the coding and you're looking at the files and you're like, all right, I can add this thing. I can add this method here. I can do this. And day two, maybe you get most of the work done. And then day three is like debugging and error checking and some stuff like that. But then it's like, I mean, you re- it feels like it's, 
Monday's planning, Tuesday's doing, Wednesday's cleaning up, and then Thursday, Friday is you know documentation yeah. and maybe a little bit of marketing um, just to show the feature that that came out. That that sounds um, yeah. tight. Like I, I I guess I'm shocked that you must get a lot done in a week to make that work. Yeah, that's true. Are you a productivity, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Guru? Okay. Do you know? Do you get up absolutely. at six a.m. with a cold shower or something? Uh, not in that way. So I, I'm really not a not a morning person, but uh, okay. I try to really hard hardly optimize my productivity from from time tracking yeah. to using like a Kanban like structure, uh, okay. automating a lot from from support uh, to uh-huh. documentation to like if you if I push to GitHub, it automatically. Um, run tests against my yep. uh, code and creates a new branch if there's an error and uh, pings um, me via Slack if there's something broken or need my attention immediately. So I, I put a lot of automation and processes in place to make it, even if it's a tight schedule, um, to make it work without extraordinary efforts. I mean, when do you, okay, when do you do that? When, when, do, when are you also develop, yeah, writing all the automation and, and error testing? <laughs> years ago, okay. Years ago. I, I rarely switch my toolset. So um, I still use, for example, uh, Trello for my project management. Yep. Even, yep. I mean, there are things like Notion and uh-huh. all the other cool um, tools, but I simply don't have the time to really learn these and yeah. um, get productive with it. So I stay with Trello, even if it's a little buggy and outdated and yeah uh, but it works so i know where's roadmap i know um how to set estimates um framing it in a in a timetable and things like that um there's also a lot of automation um combined with trello uh, from slack to zapier to github yeah very cool all right so if you had to look back what would you have done differently is there anything you would have done differently your your schedule your products anything like that Mm, specifically to Things I would tackle different, differently. Uh-huh. Um, the first one, choose goddamn simpler projects. So <laughs> <laughs> I think, <laughs> I mean, I, I love my products. So I love uh-huh. being nerdy about password protection and um, uh-huh. encryption and static site generation. It's all cool. It's fun. Um, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, if I see there's like a, I don't know, there's a timeline plugin. And this uh-huh. little timeline plugin maybe took like, 10 hours to build and maybe additional 20 hours to polish with different display options and some mm-hmm. other neat features and people buying it like crazy. And I compare that to like, for example, my password protection plugin, which has like military, military standard encryption and a lot of internals that are quite complex from regex patterns uh, to hmm. uh, maintaining sessions um, without using the actual uh, login methods uh, provided by WordPress. And mm-hmm. it's complex and it's also sometimes pre- pretty hard to, to debug an actual issue. So if a customer um, comes to support and asks, okay, my password isn't working, it's not like, oh yeah, you maybe had like a typo in your password. No, it's it's never a typo. It's almost like, okay, have you checked your caching setup? And what yeah. about your browser cache? And um, yeah. maybe your local session storage is blocked. And have you uh, looked into your firewall? And all, all of that, it's way too complex. So um, if I would start again, I would start with a simpler product and maybe a more like a visual thing where people mm-hmm. m- um, more immediately get the benefit. So it's mm-hmm. easier to market and easier to mm-hmm. communicate the idea behind the product. Um, number two is marketing. I mean, 
it's a cliche. So you are a solo developer and instead of doing marketing, you build another feature and, and another feature and another feature. And yeah, yeah, maybe I should have spent way more time at the beginning doing marketing. Things like writing tutorials, um, doing something in social media, at least something from posting a screenshot or yeah. uploading a little YouTube video, things like that. So people um, really enjoy following the journey of um, indie hackers, solopreneurs or smaller mm -hmm. startups. And I should have leveraged that benefit way earlier than I'm, I mean, I'm doing it now, but it's kind of late. So I'm a bit out of the early indie startup solopreneur yeah um, yeah so it's not like hey i made my first 100 uh -huh. mrr this month or so uh -huh. so the milestones uh -huh. are pretty are bigger and it takes way more time to to reach another milestone and people don't get excited if you say like okay it took me four years to get to like 20k MRR. I mean, it's impressive to get to 20k MRR, but yeah. people lo will lose focus if you need like two or three years to get that. But jumping from 100 MMR to 200 MRR and um, celebrating sure. it on social media, people get excited and want to follow the journey and uh, recommend sure. your products. And that's something I should have started earlier. Is that so? Is that where your marketing is succeeding? Is with developers and you know, word you know, WordPress people you know, like hackers, you know, developers who are interested in following other people's journey, and they're choosing your product because you are. It is the the perfect so perfect bespoke crafted solution for them. Is that who you're marketing to, as opposed to you know, you're not marketing to the the person who just starts a WordPress website and, and searches you on WordPress.org and some finds it and then buys the pro version. Mm, I tried that at the beginning to specifically market to the actual customer of my product. So things yeah. like how to set up password protection in WordPress. Um, yeah. But the competition, especially in the organic search, um, is pretty high. So let's start with WP Beginner. WP Beginner has a tutorial for, I mean, it's a wonderful website and I learned a ton uh, at the beginning, but it's like a huge, massive website covering all topics related to WordPress yes. uh, beginners. So chances are that people find my specific article about password protection in WordPress is not that high. Maybe I'm on the second page. Maybe I'm mm, yeah. place nine or so, but most people uh -huh. choose like the first or second or third search results. So, right. um, by um, getting a step earlier to um, kind of I'm not really market to the de to other developers, but kind of letting them know, hey, I'm the guy with like the password protection plugin, and they recommend it to their own customers or people mm -hmm. they know. So um, mm -hmm. a huge uh, amount of my customers are agencies, and um, mm -hmm. word of mouth is a pretty pretty big factor for my sales. So agencies talk to each other and recommend um, my products, and I get like one day there's an American. Um, buying my product and next day, hey, there's someone from Sweden uh, who got a recommendation from the American that bought the uh -huh. product yesterday. And uh -huh. I think, okay, it's a pretty small world, but um, yeah, yeah that, that kind of works better. So it's uh, also easier to um, to reach a certain visibility. So you, do, you don't compete with these giants, these giant knowledge bases and instead you have like more like a buddy relationship. We 
recommend products from other friends and developers and um, grow together. Is that something, okay, so th this is fascinating. Did you, did you do the SEO research before, you know, did you write the article, you know, how to reset your passwords in WordPress? Did you write that and see it wasn't ranking well? Or did you do all the SEO research and realize it would just be really hard to compete with a big WordPress news site like WP Beginner? I'm, I'm, I'm just super curious. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of like an SEO nerd. At, at least for a developer, I'm like an SEO nerd. So my first job where, uh, what I told you earlier, where I said, like, I started in an agency. It was specifically an SEO agency. And I learned quite a lot um, in the time uh, about how SEO works and how to do keyword research and all, all of that. So I started my tutorials from the beginning um, within a keyword research tool. In my case, it was uh, Ahrefs. So I know exactly password protection for WordPress had X amount of search volume and there's website A, B, and C ranking for that. And they are maybe pretty big players. And I have to do like catching the long tail phrases, um, to get some reach. And it takes just a lot of time for specific keywords to get to a substantial amount of traffic. Um, especially uh, for, for the password yeah. protection, uh, plugin. It's not so yeah. competitive for my other products. Uh, what's interesting, I mean, so there's, besides your, your productivity skills and your project management skills, you also have these SEO and research skills that helped you make sure that you, I mean, you did the research to realize that this one marketing channel that everyone talk, everyone talks about SEO, yeah. you know, this one marketing channel could work maybe, but it w that's like the very long game and you'd have to, you'd, there'd be a lot of competition. So I love that yeah. you also have skills that prevented you from going down the wrong roads. So that's really, really, really smart. I love that. Um, so I do want to go on. So you have in the WordPress plugin directory, I think it might be closer to 800,000 downloads for all of your WordPress plugins. Um, you're clearly doing something right. Out of the six main products, two of them are about static websites. Um, Simply Static being the most popular. And then there's also uh, Simply CDN. So what, you know, what took you into this, into this static website niche? Yeah, sure. So let's get back like three years. <laughs> and if you ask the same question, I would have said, okay, what the hell are static, static websites? And is it like uh, 1999 and we built all of our website with HTML, CSS, and JavaScript? Um, fast forward, um, uh, a couple of years ago, I had a client project um, and they booked a TV commercial. And we had to make sure that the website won't get down um, during that commercial and uh, we hadn't really the possibility or ability to um, adjust the server setup so the server was set and we there was nothing we haven't we couldn't have done could have done about it so then I started researching and I found out that there are a couple uh, tools um, that you can use to make WordPress uh, a static website so there are a bunch of software as a service projects doing that, but because of GDPR, most of them went just, just not a good fit for that project. So I looked more into plugins, found a couple, but all of them were mostly unmaintained. And the most popular one was simply static. And I thought, okay, being a WordPress developer for about 10 years, um, I should be able to make it work. So it, it can't be that hard. Uh, I downloaded the plugin and, uh, with about one or two hours in, I patched it and made it uh, compatible with PHP 7.2 or someone, uh, somewhere around, uh, around 7. 
And um, we used that and uh, it worked incredibly well. So the server hadn't any any kind of hiccups um, with delivering the static site. Um, and we had like one and a half million unique requests within like two or three hours. Um, yeah, that uh, somehow saved the client, client project even with like a very little budget um, for server setups and things like load balancing and so so we just shipped the yeah. static side and worked very well um after that i contacted the uh, original developer of simply static and um provided him the patch and uh we got into a little discussion about the future of simply static and what he had planned and uh, he told me that i that he wait uh he has like the his third child or so coming in a couple of weeks and uh, you not even have have like an uh, actual laptop macbook to to even open the code and work on it and he, he isn't even a developer anymore so he's uh, doing consulting now for a pretty big fortune 500 company but in a totally different uh, area and i asked him if i if he would be okay with uh, ad me adopting the plugin I said, okay, yeah. And we transferred the ownership from the WordPress org repository to me. And uh, first thing I've done is uh, patching our outstanding issues and um, yeah, growing growing from then. So I started with like um, educating why you want to be using a static site, what are the benefits, um, telling people it isn't that hard. So you don't need to be a developer to, to, use, to use Simply Static and what you can do with it and how flexible and... Um, robust um, static sites are. And yeah, here we are now. I adopted the plugin with about 10,000 in active installations. And fast forward two years later, we're about to hit uh, 50,000 active installations in a couple of weeks. That's awesome. I, I mean, the, the cool, I think the coolest thing about that story is that that was a, a fallow uh, asset. Like it, it was just like, there, it's like a tool sitting on the floor. You're like, why is no one using this tool? And then you asked the developer about maintaining it. And then you just decided to take it over. I love that. It already had a base. It already had the core fundamentals. You just started adding on to something that clearly people needed, right? Like there were already 10,000 downloads. Yeah. But, but it, you know, no one was maintaining these plugins. So you just decided to maintain one. I love that. It's also a pretty good indicator if you um, Google for like, I mean, if you Google Simply Static, Today, you will obviously find a lot of tutorials from me and things like that. But before that, uh, before I adopted the plugin, I Googled uh, Simply Static quite a few times and noticed that there are like a lot of how to make it work strategies on Stack Overflow and Reddit. And people, there were like 10 forks. All of them are also unmaintained, but um, every one of them patched a single, a single thing um, they yeah. faced. And that, that kind of motivation that people like fork it, people um, yeah. providing patches online is a pretty good sign that there is a kind of a huge demand in such a solution. Yeah, I love that. All right, so give us, all right, so let's keep going with that journey. Give us the play-by-play. -play. How did you grow Simply Static from that, you know, you just take it over? Um, how did you grow up marketing-wise and support-wise? Any marketing campaigns that come to mind or support issues? Mm, I think the number one factor for growing a plugin, especially uh, a plugin like Simply Static, I mean, Simply Static is really technical. So the number one um, task to grow such a thing is make it simple for non-developers. So remove any kind of jargon um, about the entire static site generation process. Um, make it easy to use, easy to understand. Um, 
and make it updated. So push updates in, on WordPress org regularly. So there's never like a last updated six months ago. Um, it yeah. should always be updated to the latest version of WordPress. Um, I mean, even if it works with the, act, with the current version of WordPress, people asking and people demanding like, hey, is that thing working with the uh, latest version of WordPress? I get the question. I mean, I update like two days later. So the uh, official WordPress release comes and two days later, I um, increase the number, the supported number uh, in the WordPress org repository. And within that 20 to 24 hour time frame, there are like five people asking, hey, have you checked it? Well, yeah. For sure, I've checked it. So I, I, I always <laughs> test with the with the alpha version of the release, with the beta version uh -huh. of the release, and with the release candidate uh, to make sure everything works as nicely as possible once the official version is out. But sure, people are asking about it, and uh, you should make sure that um, these questions, in the best case, never came, never come up, or yeah. you have an immediate answer for everyone, so that you can say, okay, yeah, it's working. We're updating like tomorrow. Um, yeah. Another important point is content. So I started just after the adoption, I started writing a lot of tutorials and uh, I've done quite a lot of keyword research before. And I noticed uh -huh. that things like how to make forms work on a static website is a pretty um, popular, uh, popular uh -huh. keyword combination, but uh -huh. no one ever wrote a really good article about it. So there are like, there's a place one was like in Reddit answer. So, hey, yeah, there are external tools and you can use them. Okay, yeah. but which tools are available and how they work and what the hell? So I started covering everything related to static websites that is important to the end user. How forms work, how search works. Uh, can I use, uh, can I still use Google Analytics? Um, do I need a special plugin to, uh, to make GDPR work on a static website? Um, what about ah, basic things like does um, YouTube work on a static website? I mean, sure it works, but people are asking about, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it's called static. So I think like text works, maybe images, but videos are not really static, right? So covering all of these topics um, within tutorials um, really boosted the um, the the audience uh, consuming news about um, Simply Static and all things static and people reaching out to me uh, suggesting things like new integrations, um, also services I never really heard of. So, I mean, there are basic things like GitHub, okay, you, you know GitHub as a developer, but um, there was someone su suggesting Sinatra or so. I think it was Sinatra. And I thought, okay, let, let me Google it. Ah, okay. Yeah. Another deployment pro, uh, platform. Uh, I understand. So there's so much communication involved. Um, and that's one of the main reasons Simply Static grown so fast is because of the tutorial, the community behind it, um, and being active uh, on WordPress org and in the community around it, which means GitHub is also a huge communication platform for Simply Static. Um, Forums are a huge communication touchpoint for me. Reddit, sometimes it's, you need to be careful uh, replying uh, within Reddit, especially if you are the developer behind the tool someone uh, asking about. So people can get a little bit toxic there, but all in all, it's, it's cool uh, if someone finds a Reddit post and says, Hey, there's a developer um, providing an answer to the question I ask and he's helpful. He's there. He monitors different channels and, uh, 
quickly replies if I ever get stuck somewhere. That's awesome. Yeah, I was looking at your site, and it looks like you have uh, a more than a hundred and seventy-five tutorials. Yeah. Now, uh, I'm, so let me let me ask you this way: What percent of your marketing is that? Like these tutorials, clearly you you understand SEO and the long tail, and you're also preventing some support. But like, how much of your growth do you think is just just like tutorials? Mm, I think at least eighty percent. So eighty yeah, percent. I, I would say it's like. 80%. So the other channels are getting growing more and more, especially social and video. But okay. um, my number one success factor for all of my products is organic search, is SEO, are yeah. the tutorials. Incredible. Incredible. All right. So if, if someone is listening to this podcast right now and they want to make tutorials, what advice would you give them? So before writing the first line of code, spend some time with the community you're trying to reach. Um, let's say you build like a tracking tracking plugin. Yeah, some, something like GDPR-friendly tracking for WordPress. There are a bunch of competitors. You should know about them, obviously. But spend some time with the community. Learn what um, people are asking for, which problems they face. Um, bring in recommendations. Um, listen carefully and build like a reputation around that niche that can be done by having a blog being involved in the community, on Twitter, within forums, anywhere, um, and slowly build something um, upon that uh, research. Um, try to spend some time writing tutorials. I know it's hard in the beginning to sit down and write a tutorial about whatever you like to um, like to build as a, as a plugin, as a theme, or as a WordPress product in general, but it's absolutely worth it. So if you spend like, let's say, three months writing tutorials, just one tutorial a month would be a good start to to have something um, to show it to people and take your time, do the research. And if you feel comfortable, you know um, the topic, you know the problems people face and you have the answers, then sit down and build an MVP. Um, once you have that MVP, don't push to like a big release and uh, submit it to Product Hunt and all that stuff. Start with a simple MVP and actually... Uh, talk to people from that audience you are you were involved in and uh, try to convince them to be a beta tester. So you have like three to five, maybe 10, maybe more. I mean, the more the better, right? Um, and try to get some beta testers and get their feedback and revisit your MVP and make it more stable, more robust, more appealing to the community um, and to your potential customers. The, all the tutorials are great, but also try to find the community, try to find beta testers in that community and, and maximize that. And one, yeah. I think you said one tutorial a month. How, how long, you know, if you're getting started, how long does a tutorial take? Is it going to take you like 20 hours a week? Not even close. So right, as okay. <laughs> right now I'm writing a tutorial in about like two to three hours. Um, what? But but I've done the research already. So I I usually okay. I usually do like Sunday is for research. So I sat down on a Sunday and I think like uh. oh, maybe I should write an article about videos on static websites and then doing research, see what tools are available, um, uh. maybe create create a test account and playing around uh. with it a bit and noting everything down. Um, so I have like a it's not really a draft. It's more a collection of ideas and links I like mm -hmm. to mention. And um, I'm doing that not for a specific tutorial, but for a mm. 
entire set of tutorials. So it mm -hmm. can be one article for some aesthetic, one for password protection, one for file protection. Mm -hmm. And um, I collecting them in a specific folder. And then I set a specific day in a week. Most of the time it's like Thursday or Friday. And I pick one and start writing the article. And I usually need like two to three hours to write like a 1K word post. Mm -hmm. And um, I have a, <laughs> I have a, um, I have some help um, okay. reviewing the article and making sure nice. so the grammar is correct and um, uh -huh. the message I like to I like to <laughs> give to the to the uh, potential readers is communicated in a in a structured and meaningful way. Um, yeah. So there is someone helping with that. Otherwise, it would take like. I think at least five to six hours to, to make it an releasable article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, okay. So there, I feel like there was, um, um, some, some, your secret productivity trick is working Sundays or, you know, doing, and maybe it's like not work, work, right. But it's like, you're at least doing your research on a particular yeah. topic, which I, which I still consider work. Um, so I, can I, how, how much time are you spending on Sundays on, on your computer? Let's say. Mm, on average, I would say like three to four hours. Um, okay. mostly in the morning. So starting from huh. like 8 a.m. to, to 12. Um, and it's really for, uh, inspiration, for idea mm -hmm. generation, nothing mm -hmm. involved with coding something or yeah. doing support or anything like that. Just inspiration, reviewing my own business strategies. So mm -hmm. uh, is that still the path uh, I like to follow or maybe I need to adjust something or an idea yeah. that maybe hasn't worked or, uh, or had worked and I never thought about pursuing the, that particular idea. Um, something changed in the market. Um, yeah. I always do like um, listen to podcasts while mm -hmm. researching and get some inspirations from the site. Um, yeah, but I, I try to do, um, I try to limit it to about three to four hours. Otherwise my wife would like, uh, yeah, so I get it. four, I get four it. hours is the maximum. So. Yes. No, I get it. I get it. Um, so I will just say I, I do, some people are very strict about not working on the weekends. I'm a big fan of, I will usually spend 30 to 45 minutes just on my priorities for the week. Here's the three things I need to do Monday. Here's the three things I need to do Tuesday. Here's it like just getting that out on paper means that on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm flying because I've I spent the time on Sunday doing that. So it's interesting. If you really want to grow your business, that's that's something you can choose to do. That's an option to you. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So your business is growing. Um, I mean, there is a point where you can't run all of this by yourself and you may have to you may you may not be able to be a solopreneur forever. So what is the business, what does the future look like for uh, Patrick Posner? Mm, yeah, it's a pretty good question. So, I mean, I have like a little cheat code already applied. So while okay. I'm actually doing all uh, all of the work myself, so I'm doing support, I'm doing development, uh, I'm writing tutorials, I have some help for specific tasks. So I have someone helping with um, development, uh, especially for Simply Static, covering um, bug fixes and mm. things that are like, way too time consuming to track down for me on a, uh, on a usual week. Um, I have someone proofreading my tutorials and also writing, um, writing some parts of it and doing some kind of, um, keyword research. So, yeah. I mean, for me, it's always important to actually know how to do it 
Um, mm -hmm. And I really loved the flexibility of being a solopreneur and doing all of that. But it's true. So you can, you can't do that forever. So, um, so I get help for specific parts, um, but I never give up control completely. Uh, I just onboarded someone now helping with support, uh, with customer support. Um, I still review every ticket, but um, maybe in a couple <laughs> in a couple of months, I don't have to. So, um, yeah. So I think the way for me to to grow the business is to optimize the processes, um, expand my network, and maybe just maybe giving up completely on some tasks. For example, customer support, or maybe content marketing. But I'm not really sure if you if you're like having kind of like a personal brand, um, if you can give up on content marketing completely. So it's just not the same if like, let's say I, I would record videos and in a couple of months, there, there's some other guy doing the videos for me. It's, yeah, it's hard. So maybe customer support would be a good starting point. I'm, I don't really think I would give up completely on development, even with like, I don't know, 200K MRR. I, still like to sit down someday and do some coding and debug an issue and improve some existing workflow, uh, things like that. But yeah, we'll see. That's exciting. I love that you, I love that you know what you want to do and what you don't want to do. And I, I think all of us should design our businesses so that if, you know, if you love, and it sounds like you're incredibly good at tutorials. So maybe, and, and it is part of your personal brand. So maybe it makes a lot of sense to like, as the business grows, maybe you can get a part-time developer to help you with more bug fixes or, or more customer support people or someone to help you with non-content non marketing, brand marketing stuff, like you know, updating your logo and your website, stuff yeah. like that. But it's cool that you know that you, what you want to do, which is probably tutorials and development because you're re really good at those and, and the tutorials are pretty public. So I, I love hearing that. That's great. So cool. I, th I think that should be the way to grow for at least the next yeah. few years. Um, maybe we do an updated version of that in like five years from now. And maybe I'm just another f CEO by then, but I, I don't think so. So I see myself writing tutorials and coding and explaining concepts for quite a while. I, I think in five years, we'll have to do this podcast again, but on your beach, on your island, on your yeah, private island. That, so that would be so it, cool, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah I'll, I will invite myself five years from now to your private island yeah, so we can sure. do a, 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 an update. Perfect. Perfect. Great, 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 great. Um, final real question here. Um, as WordPress matures and business opportunities keep growing, um, look, there's there's still lots of people entering the WordPress ecosystem, lots of solopreneurs, developing themes, plugins, etc. What is your advice to those solopreneurs starting out? And how do they how do they how do they take that forward? How do they grow their own business in the WordPress world? Yeah. So I think many people will hate my answer, but <laughs> I say learn React, learn JavaScript deeply. So um, uh -huh. it's it's really, I know it's frustrating and I know it's hard and I know it's so different from what we've done for years within the WordPress space. But once you get into it, it's really rewarding. It's so easy to make like um, a state-of-the-art user experience with React when building like a WordPress plugin or even a theme or a block suite or whatever. Um it's huge benefits. So I think UX is more important than ever. And that's one thing that's important, but it's also a huge chance for people getting into that space because we have like a lot of popular products that are clunky, that are outdated. They work. Yeah. 
but it it's just the whole experience with the block editor feeds off if you have to like copy and paste shortcode parameters and you have to like i don't know some offsite documentation telling you to drag that widget and we we don't even have widgets anymore so um and I think it's uh, pr a pretty good time to get involved into the space and um, starting with React first or with JavaScript first, maybe choosing something simple. I mean, there are a lot of uncovered ideas that aren't, uh, where are not any cool products that are optimized, optimized for the new area of WordPress. Thinking of basic things like a glossary plugin, for example. So there are a lot of cool glossary plugins out there, but they're all shortcode based. They're all created five years ago or so. And if you can build something like that with a pretty decent UX and with a pretty good integration of the block editor, and it's a pretty surefire way to, to get some, uh, some reach in the repository. Um, another important thing is write about your story, write about your product, write tutorials, obviously. And, um, if you can combine both, so, um, working with the new tools WordPress has to offer, and sharing your journey on the go, uh, I think it's the chances are pretty great that you get successful with your idea. Even if you pick, uh, even if you pick like a non-niche. So let's say I bring that example, but <laughs> keep in mind not to not to follow that particular example. So let's say forms. I mean, forms is one of the most crowded spaces, but we see tools like WS Forms, um, which is kind of huge popular right now um, because of a pretty decent and well thought out user experience compared to things like Contact Form 7. And mm -hmm. I think there are many spaces um, solopreneurs and smaller teams can enter right now that are more like mainstream but haven't been covered in a way that um, that is good enough um, for, the, for the new WordPress admin UI. Um, yeah which isn't covered good enough from existing from the ex yeah. existing product market. Yeah. Well, I'll add two things to that. Um, I was just using a plugin. This was maybe it was last year, but it was a major plugin and there was a spot where you could add some like a, like text above an area. And I was shocked that you had to manually type in the HTML. I think WordPress has like, uh, because of it's, it's free and open source and people are forking things or, or adding stuff or, or they just make it for one project and then they stop, they stop supporting it. There's a lot of assets out there that you can, that you can start with and then improve upon. So I, I love that advice because I think there's a lot out there and there's definitely some, uh, there's huge opportunities for UI UX improvements. Yeah. And not, cool. not only for plugin developers, right? So yeah. uh, the same is true for the, Oh no, will we themes uh, go out of theme shops go out of business next week? No, yes. they won't go away any anytime soon. So um check out block themes, check out the uh, whole economy around block patterns. Um there's a lot of cool stuff coming in the in the next releases, in the next weeks, in the next month. And if you can leverage that right now and explain the concepts to your to your users and customers, uh I'll show you you win. And it will not take like 10 years from now, um, we're talking about like, if you be, if you are consistent and you push regular updates, I think you can, if you start now, you will see some, um, some success in like next year or the, the year ahead. Love it. Patrick, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. 
Awesome. Yes. So at Plugin FM, we love sitting down with exceptional product entrepreneurs and business owners to share their unique stories, as well as actionable tips and strategies based on firsthand experience. Listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, please head over to Plugin.fm to check out all of our previous episodes. Plugin.fm is brought to you by Freemius, your all-in-one e-commerce partner for selling software, plugins, themes, and SaaS, software as a service. If you're struggling to grow your plugin revenue, send a note to contact at freemius.com to get free advice from the Freemius monetization experts. That's all from us here today. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye-bye.